You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live. Tonight, I'm joined by my very special guest, Danny Gomez. Danny, how are you? How are you? Doing fantastic. Everything like absolutely night here in Madrid. In Madrid. And it's what time? Three o'clock in the morning? Three o'clock in the morning. That, that, so first of all, thank you so very much for joining us at an hour of that nature. That's that's absolutely crazy. It's great. I know it, and it's never too late to talk gear, is it? Absolutely. That's fantastic. So obviously, thank you so much. It's it's a pleasure to have you here, and obviously, again, too, for joining us at such a late hour. But um, as we jump into the show here, for some people, like you've got a lot of fans, people that know you in the industry and things like that. So there's going to be some people watching tonight that will know you, and some people that for the maybe some of the show regulars that might not know you. I'm wondering if you could kind of just warm us up a little bit, give us a bit of a background on yourself, kind of where you grew up and started playing guitar and stuff. And we won't really get into your what you do for a business yet. We'll save all that good stuff for later. But just give some people a bit of a head start on um, a little bit about you. Okay. Well, uh, hi everyone. I'm Danny. Uh, uh, my first contact with the guitar was I think it was kind of late because I started playing like uh, when I was like 15 years old or so. I'm for a kind of very dangerous neighborhood, so uh, the guitar was kind of. Uh, Escape it was everything was kind of hectic. Uh, on my family, we had no like music contact. It was it was the, the first. Uh, so I started with the guitar. I was like, wow, it was a blast. I left pretty everything, my studies, my the the high school and everything. I said, you know what? I need to work to buy a Marshall Plexi. Nice. I started cleaning cars and doing that type of thing. I wanted a Marshall Black for the very beginning. So uh, basically I taught myself uh, how to play, I taught myself how to design, I taught myself pretty everything. So I figured out everything from the very, very, very beginning. So I learned by my own way to what a chord looked like on a picture or whatever, and I did. And now it's like 25 years later and I'm still doing exactly the same thing so you had an entrepreneurial spirit right spirit right from the get-go which is fantastic <laughs> see i think that's something that's we we can share here a lot on the show and just just to, something to pass along in life having goals is a really really good thing in your case some people want to travel around the world some people want to get their first car you wanted that plexi and yep. it didn't matter what it was going to take like you're going to learn the skills of the trade to get it and uh, you hustled that's fantastic <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was quite an adventure. Yeah, it's, I'm telling you, it's quite a difficult neighborhood. So it's like, wow, I need to escape this. I need a future. I need a black sea. Yeah. And I know that doing that thing, I can escape from this. Yeah, exactly. Kind of keeps you off the streets, out of trouble, and things like that. And I think that's where some kids these days, 
don't appreciate what some of us had to go through, you know, to, to work to get our first guitars. And, you know, I mean, it's nice to reward your, your child or somebody with a guitar for Christmas or a birthday present or something like that. But you really have an appreciation when you, you know, like when I was a kid, I'd work in the corn, like I'm in an agricultural area and we would detassel corn and it was a horrible job. You know, like you're getting cut by all the leaves all day long, uh, spider webs, wet rain, and an extreme heat. But you know, my first my first year, I did it. I saved up to buy a Sony Walkman, believe it or not. And even a Sony Walkman at the time was about 500 Canadian dollars. You know, which was a lot of money, and that was my whole paycheck for the whole year. But I loved that thing to death because I worked for it. And and that was freedom. It's like I I own my own space between my ears and I can decide my own music and I can just walk walk home or walk work and you can put your music and immediately you're kind of on a video clip, something like that. Yeah. That can video is, it's, it's, it was massive. For, massive. Sure, for sure. I have a question for you. Do you still have that same Plex or did you end up selling it? Uh, no, I, I sold. That's a, that's a bad decision. Many years ago, I sold that. We've all been through that. Every musician, I know for a fact, every musician that's in this chat right now, every musician that you meet and I meet, we all meet, we've all had those things where like, oh, I would give anything to have that back. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That is, yeah, is my, my sunken treasure. But I'm sure that the, anytime in the future, I will find it and I'll get it back. That's right. It can come back to you. I've had guitars come and go. It's happened a couple of times. You know, and sometimes uh -huh. we talk about trades. You know, we take things to a music store and sometimes us as musicians, we can do some dumb things. We really, really want something. And, you know, we'll give a couple things to trade down almost, maybe two guitars for a special set of microphones for recording or, you know, anything like that. And and people look at you and you might think, man, that's a dumb decision. But really, it wasn't. It was something you really wanted at, at that time. And, um, you know, so I'm, what I'm trying to say here is, you know, if people feel like they've made dumb decisions by sometimes by selling a piece of gear or trading something if it's for a good reason it was wasn't a bad decision it was for a good reason because i was trying to grow in terms of gear mm -hmm. and try different things and i had no money to get for the rock thing sure i was in the head and cabinet and one and desperately wanted to get more sounds to be more versatile and i wanted a, a couple of good rocks with multi effects and everything so uh, I thought about it as some kind of evolution. I needed that for my personal uh, musical evolution. So it's not the bad decision, 100%. That now it's like, wow, man, I should be keeping that. <laughs> but you never know, right? You watch and somebody yeah. contacts you and says, hey, Danny, I saw that Marshall. It looks just like the one you had. Check it out. Here's the serial number. It's yours. and You can get it back. You never know. You never know. I have I have a PV Wolfgang I sold one time and I regret it dearly. This is one of my biggest ones and I know that I know someday I can get it back. I know who owns it. I sold it. Uh, it's a USA PV Wolfgang um, uh, flame top purple, just beautiful, and, and it was it was the best playing one that I had. And I sold it very very cheap. And I I know I, I'm going to try to talk to the guy sometime and offer him an extra 500 bucks on top of what I I, I sold to him for. See if he'll sell it back. And he didn't even really buy it for the guitar per se. He wanted he had a uh, purple music man, and he wanted it just to match. So wow. I'll try to find him a deal on another one, and I'll say, look, you can get this one over here, and I'm going to give you 500 dollars more, and then you know that I can buy it back because I want it for me because it's special for me. I want that one back. Wow. Yeah. 
a cool story. Let's jump over to the chat and say hi to everybody. We've got a bunch of people over here, and I see some of your friends jumping in as well, too. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us on a nice Friday evening. It was beautiful here in Canada today, in my part of Ontario. Uh, Carlos Santon, speaking of Canadians, is here. He says, happy Friday, everyone. Lyle Ketchum is here. Billy Shelton, uh, my beautiful nocturnal butterfly who runs the chat, and she's going to be posting your links all night long as well, too. Uh, Jason oh. Jessica is here. Mr. Fox is here. Uh, Bane Rocks, who's my son, running a fantastic YouTube channel over there himself. He just got finished a stream. Um, let me see here. Uh, Jason Jess has heard your Helix preset with the EVH Celestion. It sounds killer. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you more about that in the evening. That's pretty cool. Thank you for checking that out. Uh, Sean Pierce Johnson, that's your buddy, is here saying uh, Danny is the man. And, Sean, I'm just learning a little bit more about you myself, too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subscribe to you on your different platforms as well. I saw your Facebook page tonight. So I'm going to check you out and on YouTube and all that. So I'll have, you'll have another sub coming. Um, uh, Carl Sanders says work and responsibility builds character. Hard work is good for us. I agree. I taught my boy to cut grass yesterday for the first time, pushing a lawnmower. And he was as much as he didn't want to do it. He felt good about it after it feels good to accomplish some things by working for it. Uh, Scott Roos is here saying, Hey everyone. Uh, let me see here. Who else we got here? I uh, hope I didn't miss anybody. Um, Scott Roos says beautiful Nova Scotia too, as well too. So we've got your website at uh, dannygomez.net. Robert Ortiz is here saying, Hey everyone. And Sean Pierce Johnson says YouTube is uh, truly a family affair for you guys. It is, it, it is worth a YouTube family for sure. So I want to get into the next set of questions here. We're going to jump back and forth all night to the, our friends in the chat. And this is a question I don't know. I have some hypotheses or uh, some theories here, but I don't know the answer to this. Where does Eddie Van Halen fit in your wheelhouse as far as guitar players that you admire or, or kind of grew up, uh, you know, worshiping kind of thing? That's a good one. I have to tell you that Eddie is in my absolutely top four. I have top four, four guys that are the main reason that I ever start playing the guitar. The top one ever is Dr. Brian May. Dr. Mm. Brian May was mm. a blast. Literally, uh, um, he was like a meteor that impacted on my virgin planet and was at the, the first hole. Bang! Uh, immediately I decided, you know what? I want to be that guy. I don't want to play anything by myself. I want to be that guy. <laughs> he, Super cool, he played amazing, uh, uh, the top rock band. Uh, Dr. Brian May is number one, Eddie Van Halen is number one point one. <laughs> uh, Mr. Blue Saracino himself, of course, and Mr. Nuno Betancourt. Nice. That are my absolutely top four. And I had the chance to meet three of them, and the only one that I'm missing is Big Eddie, that, but I'm sure the next name will be meeting. So. That is my, my top four. Uh, I, along my career and my musical life, I've been gravitating around all the planets, like Yves Martin and John Petrucci and Steve Vai and this type of thing. But that four tops are like on top, over the top. I love that. I like the fact that you mentioned Brian May too, because I'm a fan. I, I um, like. I, I don't. I don't know everything about him. You know, like obviously, I, I'm connected to him because of the friendship he has with Eddie Van Halen. And of course, who doesn't like Queen's music, right? Um, it's any any hit that they have on the radio, you can sit there and listen to and and not want to change the radio station. It's just fantastic music. I love his guitar playing. I've I've always loved that that process tone that we'll talk about a little bit tonight about some of the tone and some of the secrets to that tone. But it's really cool to hear him put on that pl on that pedestal. And I'm certainly not offended that he would come before Eddie Van Halen. I think that's very, very cool. And I like how you also said one point something, which is cool because they're so close, right? Yeah. 
super close. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And uh, Nuno gets talked a lot about here on the show as well, too. Um, and then, obviously, uh, well, the people that you mentioned, they're, they're guitar heroes, but it's nice to hear different versions of guitar heroes. We all have different ones, right? Yeah. But I like that. Very, very nice. It's a, it's a great share. So here's the next thing. Since how you admire Eddie very much, this is this kind of goes into my next question um, in a nice segue. So Eddie is, is I, I feel, a fantastic innovator. I say this a lot in the show where, um, you know, you could take away Eddie's guitar playing and take away that legacy and just pretend he didn't even play guitar. Just pretend he was that guy in the shop that had come up with really good ideas with innovation. You're an innovator and an inventor yourself. What do you think of Eddie on the level of, forget about the guitar hero now, as an innovator as far as products and technique, yes, um, but even take the technique aside and what he's done for manufacturing? Well, uh, yeah, a uh, strut guitar with a humbucker pickup is like mind-blowing. Bang! It, it was like a milestone. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a very powered plexi. Think about a, a British plexi in the United States and with the barrier to try to power the thing up, running the thing down, is like, wow, what on that guy, is, he was really clever, not just as a, a player, he was like trying to find something new, it's like, okay, I, I can take a chisel and put a bucket by myself, it's not perfect, but it sounds, it works, so it's absolutely my type of thing, if you think about it, mm-hmm. about the play about, it's like Brian May. He made a red special for the same exact reasons with his father. Or Blue Salcino, uh, his father made the Dirty Boy and for him exactly for the same reason. He was like bored of trying to get the, the martial arms repaired properly and he decided to do the same thing on the kitchen table. The, the, the same thing that, that, that happened with the red special guitar. So it's kind of something is surrounding me in that mood of if you don't have what you need and you have the resources, you have to figure out and do by yourself. Agreed. And I think I hate to I hate to quote in the wrong direction here, but I think it was Blue Saraceno himself when he was on the show. I'd like to say it was him. We were talking about how, you know, when Blues worked closely with his dad, you know, invent like uh, his dad was inventing these things for Blues, you know, and being so connected to his father. And with Brian, I'm sure I'm sure it was Blues talking about like using parts from his mom's knitting kits, like knitting needles or something like that for I don't know what part it was, but just all these things. And look at that guitar. I mean, I wow. Amazing. The red special is, is some kind of the, 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 yeah, the eyes of the cake for me in terms of guitar making. Mm-hmm. The many, many different parts is like uh, they use for the, yeah, for the, all the markers on the, they use like buttons. They use uh, a needle for the tremolo bar and two motorcycle uh, springs for the tremolo system. Wow. Uh, it, it's like, that is amazing. That so I mean, yeah. every bit of the family went into that instrument, and and I know yeah. later on we'll talk to the, we'll talk really in depth about this. There's going to be all kinds of goodies for the fans watching this, but and I don't want to spoil too much. But okay, so just like with the you know the original Frankenstein of Eddie's, you know, where's this guitar? It's mysterious. Whatever. Some people in the world have had the opportunity to hold it. Have you? And I know you've met Brian, uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Brian May. Um, have you had a chance to hold the original guitar? Or is it still intact? Uh. Is still intact. I have the chance of being in presence of the original guitar, but in his hands. In Madrid, uh, like 15 years ago, while I was playing on the We Were Rocking musical show, 
it was running in Spain for five years. And I had the chance, the first time, in, in fact, that I met Brian, he came for a, a press release and he played a couple of songs with the band and everything. And we met and the guitar was there. It's like 15 years ago. After that, the guitar was uh, some kind of restored by Master Luther Andrew Guyton. But the guitar itself is intact. The same frets, the same turning keys, the same everything. So it's very well made to survive all that many years. Now, how uh, now how do the remanufactured versions, like I don't know much about his guitars other than I think they're really cool and unique. I've never played one. I, I probably never will have the opportunity. I don't know where they're available in Canada. But how does how would you say the, the new remanufactured uh, ones play compared to the original? Uh, well, I, I think that uh, on my warehouse, I have one of the commercial copies mm-hmm. that Amiguita sent me many years ago. It's a baby blue one. Oh, yeah. And they're amazing guitars. They're amazing guitars. Uh, the main difference between the commercial copy by Brahma Guitars and the original probably is the tremolo system. You can find a strat system on the commercial copies and some kind of big speed inside the body thing that is the original one. And the neck profile, clearly, because the original is absolutely a baseball neck. It's absolutely huge for a huge hand of a huge man. Yeah. Uh, but aside of that, it's pretty the same concept, the same scale, the same details. So I've been using that for a long time, for a long time, and it works amazingly, and you can get the the Brian May sound and the concept at the Barnes, Trisonic pickups and everything, and you can do a very close impersonation. I, I, I love that. Now, here, here, how would you describe this? Before you started doing some work with Brian May, and, and after we've done this question, I want you to kind of back step a little bit. When you're talking about the We Will Rock You, I want you to kind okay. of tell our viewers uh, some of the prestigious things that you've done with artists over there. Uh, you did that as well. You can, uh, you can uh, expand on that. Some of the other artists you've worked with and produced and things like that. Like, when I listen to Brian May's tone, and we've got a couple comments on his tone as well, too, and I'll get to those in a second. I, I and I hope I don't get flamed for saying this, but I, I kind of compared a little bit to the Tom Schultz kind of uh, Boston Rockman sound a little bit. Now, what is what is the secret to Brian's tone to get? I mean, it's in the hands. Yes, I know that's given it as well. No one's going to sound like him without him, but it does have that very rich chorus. I don't even know if it's a mono sound sounding like stereo, but can you kind of explain to us what that secret is to his sound? Okay, the thing is. Clearly, the hands and the guy and this type of thing. But the guitar has a, an amazing impact on the thing. It's, it's a very strange guitar because the original guitar is not made of proper good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of cheap good, like a sandwich. And later, it has some kind of mahogany bending thing around and okay. a mahogany neck with cavities so you can get proper feedback and trisonic pickups uh, were in series instead of in parallel like in a strap guitar. Okay. Uh, and later, something kind of very interesting thing is the treble booster thing. Brian is always using a treble booster. It's like around 29 and 31 dBs, pushing the normal uh, channel of a classic uh, box AC30M without all the things that he's not using, like the treble, like the uh, 
top boost channel and the vibrato channel. So you have only the normal channel that gives you probably around three more degrees of, of gain on the, in the amp and some extra reliability, the turbo booster and the guitar. And later he started experimenting with more AC30. So he had one AC30 and a second AC30 just for the chorus. So he has the guitar, the turbo booster, the chorus, one side dry and one side wet to two different box AC30s. And later he added two more AC30s for the delay. So you have the dry, the wet with the chorus, the delay L and delay R. That's fantastic. See, I never knew that. I mean, I could be one of those guys who's, oh, yeah, I heard about that. I never heard that story. I didn't know that. So I, I obviously, we all look to Eddie and a lot of other players, you know, a lot of session players in the rock world, um, you know, like the Steve Lukather's and people like that running, you know, uh, Steve Morse uh, running like a wet, dry, wet rig. And uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to do, but I had no idea. Now I know he did. I did know he used multiple uh, uh, Vox amps, but I didn't know how he was using a one for delays. That's really cool to know. If you check the the all the classic Queen pictures, you mm-hmm. can see like two or three four amp rows. You can see four amps, four amps, and four amps. That is the reason you have the the dry, the wet with the curves, and the two delay ones. Wow. That's absolutely fantastic. Well, that's, that obviously explains a lot of the tone. <laughs> and it's loud. Even with just uh, one AC30, like on full, yeah. and the is absolutely loud. Yeah, tearing your head off. Yep, definitely. <laughs> I can tell you in the flesh, I suffered that magic being like a one, me- yeah, it's like that, yeah. This close. close. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, it's funny, you get all these people that would say, you know, they'd love to be in the room with Eddie Van Halen recording the, you know, the first debut album and things like that. It's one of those things where sometimes you say, you got to be careful what you wish for, because you get in a room, you know, around some of these amplifiers, and it's it's the experience of being there, but it might be the one of the last things you ever hear, because yeah, the volume is... It's a bleeding, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's jump to a couple comments over in the chat. Um, Scott Roos says uh, Starfleet project was very cool I, I I agree with that and I ha- off to my right I have a nice autograph copy from both Eddie and Brian I treasure it I, I, I can't play it it's I, I took it out of the vinyl one time or took it out of the the frame to play it and it was whoever owned it before me um, it's just destroyed so it's not a player but I've got the CD as well too but it's nice to have uh, yeah. And Carlos says, uh, he said, and this is fair, and you don't and you don't have to like everyone's tone. Carlos says, I hate to say it, but May is one of the guitar players whose tone I do not like. He says, I'm ducking now. He's ducking down. That's okay. Everyone's entitled to opinion. Um, and Scott Roos says, uh, definitely a signature, signature sound, though. And Carlo agrees on that. And uh, Carlo also says, it's pretty cool that Danny gets to work with such great artists. We're going to hear about that in a moment some more. And uh, Sean makes a good uh, good point. Sean Pierce Johnson says, Brian and Eddie are two players who have uniquely identifiable tones. You don't question who they are when you hear them play. Now, here's something I don't want to I don't want to disrespect anybody in like a classical orchestra. But, you know, if you go see like um, an opera or something like that, and there's a beautiful uh, orchestra playing and, you know, everyone's doing a great job. Um, but unless you know some of these, you know, violin players and cello players and things like that and whatever, some of the horns, it just, to me, it sounds like classical music done very well and very loud. But your Eddie Van Halen's, your Brian Mays, you know, your your uh, Slashes, your Ingves, Paul Gilbert's for the most part, people like that, you, you hear that little riff, oh, that's Eddie. Oh, that's, that's uh, Richie Blackmore. You just know, right? No, absolutely. It's, uh, the guitar is a, is a very particular instrument. It's like you can capture the tone very easily. It's mm-hmm. not just 
phrasing is, is absolutely the tone you can you, you can listen to Carlos Santana I'm not a huge fan of, of Santana mm -hmm. but I love the tone yeah. and I think that when you're getting kind of veteran in terms of playing the technique goes and come back but the tone keeps yeah unalterated all your career that's right yeah it's, it's almost like a it's a fingerprint is what it is you know it's a fingerprint that stays with you we we can all kind of you know get close you know we can you can clone a fingerprint a little bit look almost the same and erase it with some photoshop but that that fingerprint or the dna that follows you as a musician um it's hard to lose that that's why like these guys like the eddies the bryans people like that they can play on a vox a you know ac30 they can play on a on a little uh marshall tr travel amplifier or they can play through a pig nose and they're going to sound pretty much like themselves 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Sean Close is here saying, crap, I'm late. No problem. There's no there's no penalty for being late. Uh, just go get a late slip and uh, come back and join us. Uh, Nocturnal Butterfly is posting your official Facebook link, so people check that out. There's good stuff over there. Uh, Ron Page is here saying, hey, hey, happy Friday. Um, so let's go back a step and talk about some... So you, you're elaborating about the We Will Rock You um, uh, program okay. you're doing, and talk about some of the, the artists that you've worked with um, before we get into all your company discussion and that, just some of the things you've done with production uh, production over there and kind of mentoring artists and working with them closely. Okay. Well, obviously, on top uh, is... To, to work closely with Queen Productions and Brian May and being involved with the Woodward Rocky musical show. It was great. And after that, uh, we have the chance to, to record with Brian May himself uh, and a Spanish adaptation of uh, Too Much Love Will Kill You. Uh, and it was quite an experience to, to listen to the recording uh, with Brian May guitars and my guitars at the same time, it was like it was mind blowing. You can imagine that. It's like okay, uh, we were co-producing the thing, and I record the demo with my guitars just for the singer to follow the parts, and we sent uh, Doctor May this demo version, but we added a no guitar version just for him to play whatever he wants. You, you can do your magic. And he came my version and played in the gaps. And it was like, oh my God, it was too much. And the singer was outside the city and the manager was outside the city. And I received an email from uh, their studio manager and producer, that is uh, Justin Shirley Smith. And I received that file that was uh, Dr. Brian May guitars, just that guitars. And I was the first person on the whole planet Earth yeah. Listening that thing mixed with my guitars and I start crying. I said it. It was one of that moments in the sun of the night. I was in my old studio and say, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Press play. <sighs> that type of thing. That type of moment. That is amazing. I can I can feel it the way you're describing it, uh, uh, and I can it, I can see how one would cry over that because it's something that is it's 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 overwhelming. You just you cannot fathom it. So first of all, you're thinking to yourself, okay, this isn't even real. You pinch yourself, make sure that you have a pulse, yeah. you know. Um, and but you know what? That's you, you got to kind of you know give yourself a nice little pat on the back, thinking you know what? I actually did it. I'm actually on the record with him. That is pretty. That's a quite an accomplishment. No, no, exactly that. I have one 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 copy of that record on my studio on a frame just to remember and to be both proud and humble it's like okay you was there 
you, you, it was your place and your moment and everything. After that, uh, he put me in contact with the good people of Brand Made Guitar. We started working together. I was indoors as an artist, and the last, the last, the last thing that I could imagine it was like being me one of Brand Made Guitar's artists. And we started chatting. We emailed each other quite regularly. Last time they came to Madrid. Uh, I bring him one of my my designs. He has one of the old models, and I gave him for his birthday one of the new 1964 Box 8030 preamps, and I'm super proud of it. So Brian of course, is one of my top artists, and having the chance of working close with Alex and Blue Saracino in this uh, new preamp. It's been quite an experience because we've been like online working and trying to meet every now. We've been working on this like two years, mm -hmm. but it's okay. We'll be at now working, demoing, and we have to find like literally five minutes to get some tips, to get some ideas, to put them together and work online because the original app is in the United States. I'm in Madrid, Spain. Yeah. And the, the factory and the other half of the team uh, that I will explain you later how mm -hmm. our structure is, is in Turin, Italy. So we never had access to the arena and that we were making a pedal inspired in. So it's like, it's a matter of feelings and structure and impressions and fun uh, emotions to capture a thing without the actual thing. Yeah. It's quite an, an adventure. Uh, another super pro moment is like, uh, now I, I know that Steve Bai has one of my designs at his studio. We met in Madrid months ago and I met his uh, backliner and legendary tech, Thomas Norther, at NAM, this last NAM. And it's a super happy moment to know through his engineer that, no, you know what, we received the panel. I know that. So it's like, oh, it's amazing. And, and lately through the amazing marketing and artists, uh, yeah, departments at Orange Amplification, uh, we have the chance to be involved with some of the most amazing hands in the industry. Sure. On every like, guitarist and bass players and drummers and, and cello players and whoever you can imagine is like, oh my God, you can get that email, you can contact with that, it's, it's too much. It's too much. That's got to be so hard to juggle, like you say, where manufacturing is over here, Blues and his dad are over here, Nam is over here, uh, Summer Nam is even in a weirder, a weirder spot, you know, so that's, that's a lot of globetrotting, and, and that's not just your main gig, you know, you do other things as well, too, so that's, that's it's amazing that you're able to put it all together. Uh, it's, it's quite a busy day, so it's like, uh, my main activity is still playing and to be on tour and work with artists. We have two companies. We have a toxic prod that produce uh, entertaining yeah, content. It's like we produce tours and records and work with artists and I'm constantly on tour directing and producing and recording and everything. But aside that, we have massive unity. I, will, I can explain you a little bit more about sure. it. But this is, a, this is a new company that we started in the UK that mainly does everything that Toxic Prod don't. 
It's like we have a company that produces entertainment, we have a company that produces technology and consulting. And is involved directly with the musical industry, yeah, with the musical instrument industry. We can do pretty like everything. Wow. Everything. That- so you wear you wear two hats that kind of do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like there are long days. So when we chat the first time, you know what? But it should be like three o'clock uh, during the night. I can handle that. <laughs> yeah, and I know. I would walk in till then, no problem. That's right. Yeah, this is kind of a normal workday for you. Some days, I'm sure. Some days, not every day. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. Yes, pretty regular. Today is Friday. So it's not too bad. We don't have my son today at home. So it's like, okay, my wife uh, practiced yoga very early in the morning. So it's like, okay, she has to go to bed early. So I, this is my it's like kind of perfect night. It's That's like, good. It worked out, the night, it worked out yeah, really, have, really well. That's fantastic. You have some friends, you have some pedals and everything. We can handle that. Oh, this is going to be good. We're, we're all set for a treat tonight then. Uh, we've over in the uh, uh, chat, Ron Padgett says, hey, happy Friday. I might have said that already. Uh, Jim Reed is from Stuart Guitars. He's our new sponsor for the show. Jim, nice to see you here. He says, hey, just wanted to say hi. Uh, Jason, hi. Jason, wait, you got to take a look at his guitars. He makes um, one of the coolest uh, travel guitars. It's called the Stowaway. Fits right inside a, almost the size of a pizza box. It's pretty awesome. Stratocaster Ooh. style. It's really neat. Um, Jason Wade says, good evening, uh, EVH and Gear TV, Nocturnal Butterfly, and Danny Gomez. Hope you've all had a good day so far. Yes, very, very good day. I had a, I was telling Danny, I was telling a couple of my friends here, I come down with a bug today. I had a bit of a flu thing was going on, and I was able to shake it. So I'm doing good. It's all, it's all good. We're here with a bunch of fun people. Uh, Sean Pierce Johnson says, uh, whoa, I did not know about the design process of the Dirty Boy. And we're going to probably get to see, um, see and hear and learn more about that, uh, pedal throughout the night as well, too. Um, because that thing's fantastic. Yeah. He, he did the first review. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. We sent the first unit to the United States uh, because we are on a sold out basis. It's like it, that preamp is kind of long away product, not just for us or product. It's like pretty everyone that I ever talk about this kind of amp is like waiting for the chance of having the amp or a part of the amp or the tone of blues flavor yeah and with that idea so it's like wow we can solve that so we are pretty sold out all the time even on pre-order wow so it's kind of crazy so we have one unit for the united states demo so we send a unit and this unit is running from review to review to review and no one can keep it actually it's just like okay you can receive that you can you can have it for literally two weeks or so and you can create all the content that you want and you can use it for any other third part demo wherever you have to demo a chorus pattern you can do it with that for two weeks <laughs> but you have to send the unit to the next one pass it on pass it on that's yeah. hilarious and then eventually it'll come back you. to you yeah so so he created an amazing in extremist footage, that is the one that I say you. Yeah. Uh, b- because it's, we literally, we don't have time to create demos because we don't, we don't have units. That's right. It's like, boom, they're flying. Uh, we're manufacturing them in small quantities because everything is absolutely uh, handmade or hand-supervised and everything is like top-notch. Even the finish is ultraviolet painting, so everything is absolutely 100% top. 
every component, every, every little detail. I think that is a, the perfect time to tell you about the process of manufacturing this kind of pedal. Sure. It's like the, the tire technology is something that I worked years ago, like, I don't know, like probably 10 years ago. I had a problem tour with a, with a classic box AC30 Bradmate and, and I needed a B plan. So I came with this idea and we moved from engineer to engineer. We're trying to give the thing a good shape. And by my own way, I sold around, I don't know, 400 units from my, my home. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had not, literally no time to do things in that way more. And like, I don't know, one year and a half or two years ago, probably, yeah, we met uh, that guy, Carlos Horacio from LA Custom. It's an amazing company. You probably guys know him from the Phil X Signature Overdrive, the Fuck Jazz Overdrive. Okay. That is the man. That is the master man. Uh, we have some good friends in common. And we started with the idea of we have a, a technology, you have a, a proper pedal making structure, and we both share ideas. Why if, what if, we join forces together, we can create ideas together, you can manufacture them, and we have the proper structure to distribute them and put them on the more, you know, the most relevant hands in the industry. So we came with that joint venture between Massive Unity and LAA Custom, Danny Gomez and Carlos Horacio. And that, that, that is how we're trying to like, pushing harder and make better preamps and better pedals. And now I have some time for myself because otherwise it's like absolutely super demanding just to come with ideas and manufacture things and sell the things and keep the customers happy and attend the first and have a life. Of course. <laughs> this type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite a bit of thing. I'm going to jump ahead way further ahead here because I want to I want to stay on the subject here, but it, it kind of pertains to something I had to ask you later. It's funny, you and I have been talking for a while trying to arrange a, a slot for you to come on the show. And when I was telling you about different guests I had either on at the time or coming up, you're like, oh, yeah, he's got my pedal. Oh, yeah, he's got my pedal. Oh, yeah, he's got my preamp, you know, like that. Can you? Can yeah, you, can you a bunch of friends in common, I think. Yeah, tell, share some of the names of the artists that you uh, that have um, the, your preamps and at least in their rigs or have used them before or are still uh, using them, and a lot of them have been on the show. Okay, uh, I, I'm not sure if many, but, but I think the good people in common, oh, of course, Alex and Blue Saracino, or the Tom Maser, Jamie Humphreys. Jamie is one of my my mentors. It's like, that, that was the guy. When I started reading the magazines and everything, but, this is a guy, this is a guy. And now I can say for sure that Jamie is a close friend. Oh, that's nice and, to hear. I was going to ask you about Jamie because I like Jamie very much too. I, I, I respect him. I, I really admire him as an instructor. So I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, so he's great. He has some, uh, one of the old TIE pedals. Mm -hmm. And I think that he has one of the most special ones because when uh, his uh, daughter, Astrid, was born, he received an Astrid version, and there's no kind of signature pedals itself, so it's the first, and she was our, our youngest artist ever. So That's funny. For sure, yeah, Jamie Humphreys, uh, bass legend Danny Miranda from Blue Circles, 
Paul Crook uh, has one. Uh, Billy Moore. Billy Moore received one of the first TIE three. And he will be in Madrid at the end of this year, so we'll be meeting and he will be receiving a new one. Nice. Uh, Paul Gilbert, I'm, I'm not sure if he remembers that, but like seven years ago, we met in Madrid and he received one of the first five prototypes I ever met. Wow. Yeah, one of the first five. And Billy Sheehan received one like two years and a half ago. We started chatting and I'm... I'm absolutely positive to show him a uh, base version that we'll, we've been working. Uh, and obviously, like, yeah, Dr. Brian May and a bunch of... Wow, that's fantastic. Well, Billy Sheehan, that's a good name that you mentioned there as well, too. I mean, not that Billy is separated from any of these other great players, but Billy's tone is known for preamps. You know, he's that's his, his mojo, you know, is that preamp, and he's very uh, meticulous about that. It is. It is the last time the Mississippi uh, came to Madrid, uh, we attend to the sound check, and prior to our meeting, uh, Billy was like setting everything up with his computer mm -hmm. uh, on top of the amps, literally checking every detail and say, you know what, respect. It's like all the time that you need, I can wait just to say hi, sir, how are you? But because you have to take the time for that. Absolutely, yeah, painstakingly onto the detail. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. I'll share a funny story with you that you may or may not know, because um, I, I talk a lot about on my other shows here on, on the Helix Hour, I talk a lot about the Line 6 Helix product. And uh, so Billy is actively involved with that as well, too. And he was, he they, um, the Helix team, the Line 6 team, were working with Billy closely when they could get a hold of him. And he's so busy with his, you know, with Mr. Big and Winery Dogs and all these other projects that he does, you know, it's just hard to, to get down into a room, right, alone. And the, one of the presets that they ended up making was a model after his amplifiers, and they actually called it Busy One uh, because he is so busy. That's the name of the preset, right? That's pretty funny. Yes, he's absolutely busy, Sihan. Yeah. He's the busiest man in matter, but it, it, he's on top. He's on top. Yeah, it's, and, it's good to be busy. And involved with different musician species. Now we've been uh, chatting with cello players, Involving the new technology that we've been like licensing and mm -hmm. working with, and I want to be involved with singers and tell players and drummers and try to figure out more music to do together. That's that's right. Um, let me see here. Uh, Sean Pierce says you're going to have to pry this thing from my cold, uh, dead hands. That's a funny one. <laughs> you're going to have to go find him and get the pedal back. That's a good thing. When you've got reviewers, um, you know, fighting over pedals, that's a pretty cool thing. And you know, it's kind of funny, you know, before YouTube really took off, let's just go back a few years. YouTube's been around for quite a while, but before it took off to the point now where a lot of people out there are doing product demos, manufacturers would have to spend an absolute fortune on producing demos like you're talking about. So you don't, you're saying you guys don't have time to do the demos and I, I can appreciate that. Um, but these days you don't even really have to, you know, if, if, you know, you have a few artists that are working with it. Um, and even if the, even if there isn't a huge artist attached to it, if you can convince people that you just need to hear this, you get it out to a couple of YouTube reviewers and the job's done for you. You know, you don't have to invest a lot of money in it. It's nice when they come back as positive reviews, but these days, like you say, this is going to circle the whole United States and it's probably going to go to all the big YouTubers, you know, and, um, in the guitar magazines and all those kind of things. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a, a huge success for you. The, the thing is that I obviously understand that everyone work 
has to be profitable in mm -hmm. a way. It's like, you know what? We would love to have a proper marketing budget to cover everyone's fee and everyone could be happy. But at this point that we are uh, not being our main activity, it's like we, we have this product. We'd love to know your thoughts. If you have the chance to, to try it and possibly create something to show the people it could be great but don't feel compromised you have the time we can send you that but if not no problem just try it and send out your thoughts and if we anytime in the close future we can prepare a full production demo we absolutely will call on you we'll get the budget directly to you but for now on we're trying to spread the word and to get the relevant people kind of informed. It's like, we're not waiting kind of uh, Ben or production. Right. It's like, you can try, if you want to share with the people that follow you, is right. If you want to share, there is a crap and you don't like, is right. If you don't want to share anything at all, I won't tell anyone that you have a unit. So anyone is expecting anything. Yeah. So you can try. It's a, it's a sneak peek. You can try it before anyone else, and we can like uh, yeah, enjoy the jewelry if you like it. If not, there's no problem at all. And we find the the right people to do that that kind of thing. So it's 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 amazing. I like it's, it. I'm absolutely grateful. I like it when you watch a review and you just see the smile like a little kid, you know, like that's like, you know, I do product reviews too. So, I mean, I, I know, I know like about reviews and I watch a lot of reviews out there, all the, all the famous ones I'm watching and learning from as well too. But when you see a person, a guy or a girl demoing a product and they're smiling, it's like, okay, you, you don't have to say another word. You can continue watching, but you know, you're sold right there because they're like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. I, I, I love to see the people can get, kind of excited with a product. Mm -hmm. It's not, not, not just being my product, it's any product. It's like, it's new pedal day. Even if it's just for the demo or you receive the unit, you want to try it. It's not, it's, I, I, I can understand that kind of excitement. It's like, oh my God, it sounds great. I love that thing. I want to tell all my friends that it's, it's something amazing. I need to try that. I'm not, in, I'm not very into amps. I love the amps. I love the orange amps. I love them. Mm -hmm. When I travel, I try to travel light because of, of planes and everything. So I'm into pedals. Pedals is my madness. It's like I have a bunch of good guitars, but I, the things that I have the most are pedals. So when you reset that smile box and you have many things to do with that, it's like, oh my God, I love that. I need a, yeah, a full Sunday for that. So you're thinking with um, having like really spending a lot of time on your pedal board, if you, you arrive somewhere and you can't have necessarily your orange amplifier, maybe you've got a Marshall JCM 800 or something or whatever, you're, you're, you feel comfortable with the pedal board and you can make do with maybe different amplifiers if you had to. Yeah, the, the thing is that the new TIE pedals mm -hmm. has emulated and non-emulated outputs. So I can run the emulated outputs with a cabinet emulation to my uh, multi-effects units and uh, send that directly to the, the PA system. Okay. And I can use the non-emulated output to any amp that I found. It's like, okay, if, if it has uh, an effects return or a program in or wherever, this type of thing, I can connect that. So uh, I have a, a wet dry, wet rig 
on my mini pedal board that is absolutely tiny. I can tell you more about that later, but it's absolutely tiny. Oh, it's fantastic. like four pedals. Fantastic. Well, I got a question here coming in right now. I think this is from Nocturnal Butterfly. She says, um, no, you, you could, this could be one of your pedals or maybe another yeah. manufacturer. What is your favorite pedal, one that you just, you just cannot live without? Uh, n- now, the DZ Boy Pro-Am. In terms of, of uh, being able to do my job as a professional player, mm-hmm. it's like, for me, kind of the perfect amp in a box. Uh, but uh, in terms of multi-effects, probably is the Eventide H9 that I use for everything with a pre and post routing. Uh, in terms of connectivity, probably is the Omec Teleport. It's not a proud, it's not a proud father moment, but but the, the, the four panels I use, I, 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 yeah, I can tell you now. But sure, go ahead. I, go ahead. I, I, I use four panels. A good booster. Uh, it could be a, a treble booster if I'm into the Brian May mood, uh, or a flat booster overdrive like the I don't know the Phil X overdrive, the Fuck Jazz overdrive from LA Castle. Uh, a good booster. Uh, the DT Boy or the 1964 preamp. Uh, the non-emulated output goes to any amp that I found. Good amp, good probably rocker verb or something like that. Mm-hmm. This me. And the emulated output goes to my Eventide H9 for all the complicated effects thing and algorithms and everything. And later it goes to one of my Omic teleports to bring the thing again to a stereo thing, I can use it with my laptop or my iPad or wherever, and I can do anything else with that. And it's literally that big. It's like four pounds. Man, oh man. It's, I, it's, yeah, it's absolutely tiny. I see that H9 in a lot of people's boards. I'm familiar with it. I haven't tried one. I haven't used one. I, I've, I've, I've been intimidated by it because I've heard some people say that it's hard to program. Is it hard to program? At all, that it, it, it probably is hard to program if you try to do everything with the unit. It's not hard, okay. but it's kind of all tricky in a way. But we we all have like a smartphone, and you can do everything on your phone. So like you can pair the thing through Bluetooth, okay, and you open an amazing, amazing screen on your laptop or your phone or wherever, and you can do anything. You can even uh, use like a touch screen to program things. It's like, okay, you know what? I need the delay in that side. I need that the ribbon thing in the other side. You can program everything, store, and you can create lists. So it's like you have a rehearsal with your band, but you have a demo later, so you can have like a list of, of your preset for your rehearsal and another list with your demo things. Wow. And you have a backup. So you can get a new unit and you have all your presets on your phone and you can dump it right onto it. Yeah, I like that. I I think it'd be good for people too. Like if you're in a studio or even here like in an office situation where my pedal board might be 10 feet away, I could have the phone or my iPad over here and no need to reach over. What am I seeing? You know, play guitar and just grab your, your device and change it. That's really cool. I like that. And you can be playing and the producer can be like modifying the delay thing or the tremolo speed or doing the tap thing, it's like, you know what? I would be doing my thing. You can take the iPad and do your thing. It's like, okay, you want more tremolo? Go for it. Wow. Until it bleeds. It's like, go for it. I will be playing my chords. 
That's perfect. Yeah. Or yeah, another thing. Yeah, too. You could have someone like uh, if you had a guitar tech or even just a friend, you know, a buddy that plays guitar. Hey, buddy, play my guitar for me. I'm going to go to the front for a second. I'm going to listen, bring your phone. And like, oh, that, that's a little too wet and adjust it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. 100%. Yeah. That's yeah cool. And it's absolutely safe because, because it has a code. So nobody with the APP can be controlling your pedal. Yeah. Because favorite and security payment. You get some some fan or some some troll that wants to wreck the band and they're in there and they're hacking in <laughs> yeah. and changing your BPMs to like three hundred, you know. And your pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sitting there playing like you know Steve Vai, uh, you know high pitch pitch, and it's a, it's a country yeah, band or something. Exactly. That's, but, but yeah, yeah. It, this is my perfect pedal board. Oh, that's awesome. I'm gonna have to look more into that one because it's been it's been really intriguing me a lot. Um, I, before we get into some of the innovation and some of the inventions that we're going to talk about, we've hinted at them a little bit. Were you one of those guys as a kid, like I kind of was, I broke many, many things to find out how they work. Did you take things apart to figure like how, like maybe like a radio, how it worked to get this bug? I to- am. I am. I can, I can, yeah, you can swear that. I'm my mom too. I literally killed like, well, I don't know, 10 tape machines to learn how it worked and to try to create a delay or something like that. And later I put everything together and I keep a bunch of pieces and everything working perfectly. Oh, that's and I keep good. Like, yeah, three or four pieces every time and it works amazingly. But yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, I literally like killed three or four of them. <laughs> but that's how we learn, right? Yes, absolutely. That, that's how I got into computers. Uh, computers was, has been my living now for probably the past decade and a half. And I destroyed many computers. I mean, when I first got into computers, the only thing I knew about them was how to run a Microsoft publisher. And that's the only thing I, and then from there, you know, I got into repairing computers and building computers and things like that as well, too. So you do have to get your uh, your feet wet, whether it's guitar repair, you know, getting in there, not being afraid to solder in some pickups or new volume pots and things like that. Trial and error. Hopefully you don't ruin too many things, but in the grand scheme of things, um, if you get good at your craft, you'll be making money that will long recoup that loss that you've you know had on a damaged product yeah but you know what that is classic eddie i remember the the les paul history about the two identical les paul that mm-hmm. that were new and one was like this literally destroyed but it sounded amazing and the other one like a museum piece yeah Exactly. Destroying some of the, the most classic things. Yeah, Eddie's even been mad at himself for doing some of that. But look what he's learned, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. One of the first products, we're going to jump right into product territory here. And I think this is very, very cool. This really caught my attention. Now, I'm, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Is the Omec, is what is that how you pronounce it? The Omec Teleport? Or how would you pronounce that? Yeah. yeah. The Omec Teleport, the Omec means Orange Music Electronic Company. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So uh, Omec was uh, a, a kind of a division of Orange created in the 70s. And believe it or not, Orange released the first digital amp ever in the 70s. Okay. It was an analog amp with the kind of digital management of the value of, of yeah of the pot numbers. But it was a good idea, but it probably was too early because the components was absolutely like expensive then. Okay. So uh, to tell you a little bit about this story, it's, it's, it's long story short, four years and a half, I became partially deaf. I lost like 30 dBs in 1K on my left ear. Okay. It was a, it was a drama. But 
I got recovered after a week of very, very, very painful treatment. And yeah, believe it or not, I'm absolutely worried about the needles. Yeah, you can see that I'm absolutely tattooed, but I hate needles. A lot of us do. So, yeah, to try to avoid fainting, literally fainting during the sessions, I start to faint anything. It's like, okay, you know what? Mm, I love what I love the most, pedals. So I start to think about pedals. And, and literally, I told my wife, Martha, you know what? Open your nose because I have an idea. What? It's a pedal. Just take the note and, and say, it's an audio interface and a pedal. Uh, one input, two outputs, a USB connector, USB B, female connector. So uh, after a couple of weeks, sending that note to one of our engineers, I received this. Okay. Yeah. This is the first incarnation. This is the grand-grandfather of the Olmec telephone. But basically, you have an input, two outputs, and a USB B female connector. Okay. So the only thing that you don't have is the, is the back switch. Uh, I received that. I take that with me, and we went to our first NAM show. Some meetings, some demos. We we embedded the uh, Matt Bellamy cold guitar with this on top of a Laney amp, and nobody noticed that. <laughs> you see that demo, you can see that big black box and my iPhone on top. Um, we, we worked with that, and needed that survival switch, and a little smaller enclosure, and we work with that. We get that, so you can see that it became small. Yeah, it's evolving. Yeah, so uh, in that version, you have the same one input, two outputs, and a USB female connector. Bad switch, so you can use it like a regular pedal. Uh, but uh, the only thing that I love more than, than pedals is small pedal boards. Yeah. So I need something even smaller. So I came with this. So you can see the evolution from the previous version. Oh boy. Yeah. So when I had this version, uh, I was convinced that I couldn't find anyone to, to, to work with that and factorize at the level that I thought that the idea deserved. It was like, it's a good idea, but I, I wasn't capable of provide the proper structure of a good idea required. The tire pedals was good enough because it was something that we can handle. It's like, I don't know, but I, I think that we sold like 400 TIE pedals before we moved to the proper factorization with Massability and LAA Custom. So uh, I, I was sure that it was a good idea to try to find the right people. But being as busy, yeah, being as busy as I used to, uh, I keep my activities playing and demoing and everything. And uh, like two years and a half ago, in Birmingham, UK, uh, I was doing demos for Manson guitars. You know, Manson guitar with the MIDI screen and everything, mm -hmm. the Madonna guitars, and using uh, orange amplifiers as a power monitors like the helix caps yeah yeah that's type of thing uh, and this version this prototype and the the people of orange amplification the the, the international set manager uh, came to the demo and we started chatting uh the dinner 
you know what? We we'll see you demoing with our amps, but you're not using our preamps. You're using just the power amps, and we're curious. Would you mind to tell us more? Okay, we can uh, arrange some time together tomorrow. And I, I will. Uh, I will tell you more about that. Uh, I told him about the TIE pedals. I told him about the the, the interface because it has no name but interface. That. And they say, you know what, could be very interesting if, if you can provide with some technical information, it could be great to discuss with the team because maybe we could be interested in some no boundaries technology and go further uh, in terms of maybe pedals, maybe that type of thing. I thought, wow, it, it's amazing. It's too good to be real. I will send that info. I will send that email and I will, uh, but I won't expect anything. And a week or so later, we receive an email inviting us to London to discuss the terms. And we met in London with the whole team. The whole team means Cliff Cooper, that is the CEO of Orange Amplifier for 50 years. He's the top gentleman. He's like the James Bond of this industry. He's <laughs> a class. Top. Yeah. Top of the And we have the chance of meet uh, Adrian Emsley, that is the, the mastermind of that old classic orange amplifier. That is, for me, is an absolute reference. We're not, we're not worth. <laughs> uh, and we met all of them, and I introduced the, the technology to all team. Expecting in a way, you know, it could be great if you like that thing, and maybe in the future we can be doing something. It, literally, half an hour later, we were sitting with Cliff, saying, yeah, uh, we went to the hotel saying, uh, orange amplification will be manufacturing and distributing the, the interface. And I, it was my first license ever. It was like, oh my God, it was a good idea in the end. So I gave them that and they gave me that. So it's basically, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it's a good story. Now, here's a question for you. I, first of all, that's like a, a Cinderella story that most people don't get to enjoy. That's it's pretty awesome. But were you worried, you know, as a, as a young inventor, you had this great idea and so many people, they get taken advantage of, you know, like, and, and, and it's nice that this didn't happen to you. But I mean, like, okay, so tell us a little bit about the technical information. You give it to them and they're like, then, oh, we're not interested. And then they come up with something similar. Were you, were you afraid of that a little bit? I was. I was uh, for the first like yeah year and a half pretty yeah pretty before that orange meeting I was absolutely like worried with that big black box the first now mm -hmm. I was not even worried to take it out my bag I was in a meeting talking about this and was worried to take this out of the bag wow. because I was thinking you know what that guy that guy will be copying, will be copying that. But in the end, after two years and a half, along with the idea, I said, you know what? I have to take a risk. I have to, to trust anyone and go with everything that I have. And and I, I will say tonight, but when we met James Deacon of Orange Amplifiers, I saw that face and said, you know what? I can trust that guy. I can send you the files. I can open the thing because otherwise I wouldn't have a chance of put that idea on the right place 
and being able to be at least relevant. Mm -hmm. Anyone can copy anything now. But it's like, I'm more worried about my idea being on the closet forever than to be copied. It's like, you know what? I need this idea out and being able to, to take this wave. I need a wave. Otherwise, I will be the only person in the world knowing about this or my closet. And I won't take the risk. So I decided to take the risk and it, it worked. It worked. And we found a family and we are super proud. You know, I love that story. First of all, I don't know a lot about Orange. I, I know the brand, obviously. I've seen a million people play it. I don't think I've ever played one in any of my venues where I played before with bands. You know, if it's supplied backline or you're borrowing the other bands, I don't think I've ever played one. I've seen them in many, many stages. But I respect the company greatly. And I, from what you, the story you've told me, because of that, and I also think maybe that had a lot to do with maybe some of your success with the company after the fact. I mean, they could have just take that, made the deal, and you get a cut, they get their cut, and that's that's the end of the day. But now you. You work a lot more closely with them, an orange artist, I believe, things like that. I think they probably look at you and are like, you know, um, this guy took a chance on us and he trusted us. There's there's that instant bond and trust. And I think that's come back to help you in the long run, too. Of course. And being orange for me is the classic and company. But knowing that they are open-minded and they wanted to have a new approach, it was like, oh my God, I think that, that is, we, we found the, the right place. Uh, when we started the conversation, it was like, okay, you know, it could be great to be an orange brother, but he's not orange. Uh, what if, what if the marketing team said, what if, if we like recover that Omec division that we had in the seventies, that was the avant-garde in the seventies mm -hmm. and bring that thing back to create the right space for a no boundaries product. What if? I said, you know what? I think this is a good idea because the orange universe is orange. That's right. It's, it looks orange, but this is, this is so kind of dark thing. It's like uh, stranger things. It's upside down. It's absolutely digital. There's nothing analog there. So what if we create an alternate universe? I said, you know what? I like the thing. I can I can play in that playground. So this is my space. That's fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell, tell people in a nutshell what the um, the teleport will do. Like I watch a really cool demo. Uh, I mean, basically, a lot of people are raving over it because it's a it's an interface that can run to your computer, still run to your pedal board, and integrate your pedals on your pedal board with the computer software. But I know I've explained it a little bit. But tell tell us what it'll do and why a person would want it. Okay, the thing is, is that it's called a teleport because it can teleport your tone and your signal from the analog world to the digital domain and back. So uh, there are many things that you can do, actually. It's this, the same things that you can do with a classic sound card mm -hmm. or an audio interface. Okay, now you can do it on your pedal board. It's like you can take your guitar and being a class compliant uh, product, it can be connected with, uh, to your iOS device, to your Android device, to your Mac or PC with no drivers, no codec, uh, pretty, no latency at all. It's like, like three, four milliseconds or so. Wow. Uh, depends on your settings or your machine or wherever the pedal itself is like 
science fiction, the, the fast that it is. Uh, it has the right impedance, so you can actually play your instrument and feel like a real amp. If you're using like a, a, an amp simulation or whatever, and and it has a buffer, so you can compensate all the cables losses, and it's like you have your instrument cable or your pedal cables, and the USB go and back, and the the two opens that it has it has more cables and whatever. So you have the right piece, you have a buffer, and you can do many things. You can use the all the many. Uh, arm simulation, wherever like the native helix mm -hmm. software that you can have all the power of your helix on 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 this space. Wow! Yeah, it's great. Now here, here's uh, here's a question though. Um, so a lot of guitar interfaces, like I've got one from Apogee. I don't I don't think I have it handy to show you, but one of those Apogee jams, and that's what I used to use. And it, as much as it's cool, you know, there's like a headphone jack on it, or it's, it's a, actually a volume control, and it still doesn't do a very very good job. Now I don't see a volume control in here. So how does your signal get an a nominal gain to the the computer? Okay, that's a good question. The thing is that we created the pedal as simple as possible so you can do anything with your software it's like you can connect the thing to your ipad okay you turn the thing off you have your clean signal so you turn the thing on and you can go for the nominal like game with your software and when you, once you have your nominal game you can start turning things on and on and you're into unity game territory immediately. So if it's a matter of software, that way you don't have any problem, you won't have any volume control problem, uh, it won't be like old. This type of thing sometimes are the, the focus of all the, the interface that go old. It's like, okay, that doesn't work with the new version, or you have a problem with uh, your interface or whatever, if you keep something that simple, it won't be old never because the USB uh, connection is a uh, universal now. Yes. So you have any controls on it, you can do anything on your software. And that is why we decide to don't label the outputs like L and R is one or two because you can run the thing wherever you want by your software. You can say, you know what, I want uh, dry on one and wet on the other. I want acoustic guitar simulation on one, an electric guitar simulation on two. You can even get a polyphonic MIDI with no MIDI pickup. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I saw your demo on that, and that was fantastic. That was at, uh, it was over overseas with uh, Inter Guitar Interactive, whatever, or, or was it Summer Nam? I forget. It was at Winter Nam. Okay. It was at uh, a closed door demo because it was no release then. Mm -hmm. and I, I, I don't know, but probably I did like 20 or 25 demos, not just the telephone, but with several products. But uh, I think that probably like 15 or 20 demos uh, with the telephone to media and distributors and everything, showing exactly that kind of thing. It's like small, it's powerful. And being able to get polyphonic MIDI with no MIDI pickup is like a the, the next level because you can get more ideas you can use more like more sounds or, or wherever on the same package and it, it, even without that is a very powerful package to be able to use 
your classic amp synths and your classic pedal synths and you can record, you can use your baking tracks and your guitar at the same time. But now being able with Jam Origin MIDI guitar and your teleport of getting polyphonic MIDI with no MIDI pickup is like, for me, is mind blowing. Some guys just don't, guys and girls just don't want to stick a MIDI pickup on their guitar. You know, there are some people that just don't want to do that. So I think that's pretty cool. What's the name of the software that you tied in, like the one that you recommend to use it with? Uh, well, that MIDI proposes is Jam Origin MIDI Guitar. Okay. You have a free version. You can try pretty everything on the software. Uh, and you, you later, you can pay for the functionalities that you want. You can get it on your iPhone, your iPad, your PC, or your Mac. Okay. There are many good things because once once your analog tone is digital through the Omic telephone, you can turn that digital audio into polyphonic MIDI with that software, and it's great. And something even more mind blowing is that you can create a virtual MIDI network and send that MIDI to any software, so you can control your existing software with your guitar with no MIDI pickup. What is the good thing? You can swap your instruments. It's yes. Like, I broke the string. Oh, but it's my uh, MIDI pickup guitar. Oh, I don't have a replacement. Oh, but you can swap the guitar, or you can put the bass, or you can even sing and get MIDI of your microphone. Wow, that's crazy. You want to hear it? I think that we yeah. can do it. Yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. Okay. Okay. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Classic blues on a single time. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a very, very old guitar. So this is the thing. This is the thing. Okay, okay, here it is. Okay, this is my. I, I'm not sure if it's loading out because it's a, a little bit late. But it's, this is my guitar that I click to line. Okay, no, that's good. That's good level. It's good enough. Yep. Okay, this is. The guitar to the Omic Teleport, the Omic Teleport to the Mac, and back to the monitors. I'm only opening a, a, a MIDI, a MIDI setting, and yeah, we, we can hear, I don't know, a synth, for instance, or a piano, or whatever, immediately. Okay. It sounds very nice. It, it sounds good, but you can go for a uh, rock organ. And the cradle would rock. Yeah. But yeah, you can, you can go for yeah, anything. It's... it's It's a regular guitar, there's no MIDI pickup, there's that, nothing back yeah. That is absolutely fantastic. That I mean, the, the polyphonic capabilities, a lot of times you hear tracking issues, and uh, it's just amazing. Now, you can even tell the software that you will be doing bendings or glissandos or whatever, and the software is ready. So whenever it feels something, it's like, okay, this is a bending. So I got to tell Jennifer Batten about this. 
because she does she does a lot of really crazy stuff with MIDI, and I and I don't I forget what she's using, and she is she's one of the ones that says she I mean she insists she has to travel light. If it doesn't fit in the suitcase, then she won't travel with it. And I know okay. she's doing crazy MIDI stuff. I don't know what she's using right now. She's told me a few times, and I forget. But I definitely want to turn her on to this. She's probably using uh, Fishman Triple Play or something like that. That could be. That that could be. I'm going to double check on that. But this is great. The Fishman Triple Play. I used to use that in the past. It's great, and it's Bluetooth and everything. But you have to install the system on your guitar. Yeah. It's a MIDI pickup and a, and a MIDI system, and you can connect that by Bluetooth. But it's something bad for me that I play in big arenas. The thing is that you cannot send that Bluetooth signal long enough, mm-hmm. but you can think that with a wireless transmitter the longer you need. So you can actually send it with a wireless? Yeah, because it's a roller jack. Right, okay. Wow, that's fantastic. You can that jack for a wireless unit and you can keep your iPad with your back line. That's absolutely fantastic. It's a good bonus, isn't it? It it's is. Like, wow, interface, that, that wow. That's fantastic. We, we've got about 15 minutes left on the program. I want to say hi to some more people here in a second in the chat. But before we do that, um, one of the biggest things we kind of teased up for the whole night was um, the Dirty Boy TAE. Um, so we, you, you told me how you kind of started working with Blues uh, and his father. His father was making the pedals for Blues, and you kind of got um, uh, the dad's blessing to kind of, uh, kind of, you know, take the torch a little bit and run with it a bit. So kind of tell us a little bit more about what that pedal does and explain um, how there's a kind of a little tiny bit of a nod to Eddie Van Halen in there with some of the technology. And maybe okay. you can show Do you have one you can show us tonight as well, too? Yeah, okay. The thing is that the Dirty is an evolution from the previous design that is the 1964 that is basically a box in a box. Right. Uh, uh, long story short, we take that and we create that one. That is the bad boy in town. That's a that beautiful the- looking pet. I know, I mean, I've always said this before too, you can take anything and put it in a pretty box and make it look good, but that looks good. Uh, so you've, you've sold us on the looks of it. Tell us what it does inside. Okay, the thing is, uh, what we have here is a recreation of the Arena Dirty Boy amp. Uh, you have a tube amp with a Bay React. This is a, an actual Bay React simulator inside. Uh, we came with the idea, and Carlo made an amazing work of art of putting pretty everything inside. And the pedal itself has even a true coil audio transformer hang on. Uh, but you can check, for instance, you, you have an input. You have a remote, so you can control both switches remotely by MIDI or wherever. Nice. You have the emulated output and the non-emulated output. So you have your gain, your tone, your volume, and your boost. And you can switch your boost independently of the, the tie side. You have the TIE side that you have that gain, tone, and volume, and the bariac. And you can control the boost with the other switch. So you have a kind of two channels amp, like the original amp. Mm-hmm. And the 1964 being a more box-oriented pedal, uh, it's, uh, the, the cabinet emulation is more like a 2 by 12 open back cabinet loaded with a Nico Blue. Uh, you have a 4 by 12 greenbacks close back here. And the barrier, the thing is, emulated, is, is emulating the, a real barrier that is getting kind of a sag effect on yeah. your tone. 
like uh, Eddie was running the amp like 90 volts instead of 110 or 120. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can get more fussiness in a way, like dragging the amp a little lower. So you can do the same thing. It's like, okay, you can turn the barrier down and it's like you're cutting the voltage. Gotcha. Like, like, deal. Because the thing is that the Duty Boy amp has the barrier inside the front panel, like it's down here. Okay. This is the, the reel of the front panel of the Duty Boy amp. So, so for people that don't understand the technology, it's almost like, you know, people always hear about Eddie with the Variac, but I mean, if, yeah. I think people have actually experienced it without even really knowing it. You could have like a little transistor radio or, you know, like those, like I've got one of those little micro stacks, you know, the Marshall, make, they make them for everybody, Marshall, Fender, EVH, all those kind of things. They're just like a novelty amplifier. It takes a nine volt battery. You're playing through it, you're playing through it. And when that battery's on its last limb, there's just enough battery to power it up, but it's fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy because it's starving, right? You're starving the amplifier for the power. Exactly. So, it's the same thing. I, I, I'm not sure about the reason, but I think that Eddie wanted to get his distorted sound, but with less volume. Yeah, because so he's getting in trouble all the time. To put the amp in the starving. It's like, oh my God, oh my God. That, that type of flavor allowing him to play probably, not. I'm not sure at home, but probably just to rehearse. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> So here's here's the question: What's what's the end result as far as the proof is in the pudding? When Blues got to hear this thing, um, what was his first reactions? Okay, uh, we were we were working, Carlo and I, like blind uh, until this now. We got the, all the information that we could, and we chatted with Alex. Uh, but as I told you, we had no access due to the distances uh, to the original lamp. Mm -hmm. So we out everything and try to fill the gaps reading a lot and let's say a lot about the original amp <laughs> at this NAM we arranged a meeting with Alex and Blues and we took the first prototype that is the pro probably the one that you've been seeing a lot and the social media that is slightly different looking but it's pretty the same mm -hmm. and we tried at NAM and the first reaction was okay this sounds very good. It sounds very good. It sounds like really good. It sounds very good. And the thing is that they order two units. It's like we, we have deal no problem. No, no problem. We want to order two units. Uh, Alex is a true gentleman. He's a true, absolutely true gentleman. And we rent the first two units for them. They received them recently and they love them. It's, it was like, you know what? The only thing that they asked. Uh, for changing was the direction of the variance. Like, okay, you know what? We want that clockwise, not anti-clockwise. Okay. So more, so more sag by turning it clockwise. Exactly. This, the thing is that the original amp, that way it, the amp sounds full. Okay. And that way you're starving the amp. Okay. It's like, okay, you have like 112 volts and you're like 90, like 70, and you're serving the thing. So after two years working, the only thing that Alex kindly asked was, would you mind to reverse electrically the pot to, to have the same effect like your original lamp? I said, you know what? Sure. We can do and we solved that for the production models and this is out. So is this, how is this purchasable now? Do dealers carry them? Are they direct through your company or? 
we have that uh, both. We are creating a proper uh, retail structure in different countries. Uh, but being that sold out that we have been, it's like, okay, we, we didn't want to, to have the retailers waiting for the units. So we decided to start by reverb.com by now or through our website or whatever. But yeah, we're creating a proper structure to be able to cover the high demand. Okay. So by now it's available on Reverb, and but it will be both the 1964 and the DTB will be available worldwide through a proper dealer and retailer structure. Very very soon. That's good to hear. And I think it's also awesome, too, that you're working with an artist such as Blues who's so passionate. When I spoke with him before, I mean, he could talk for, he, he would come on the show and probably talk every night for three hours and just never tell the same story. He's so passionate about his instrument. He's proud of his dad. Um, you know, it's really cool to see a family working so close together like that. But I, I think that's great for both of you to be working together. You kind of took something that um, his dad worked with and, and you, you've put a, a spin on it. And he's proud of it. I think that's a, a, gr- a great a great thing for you. It's a great thing for him. No, for me, it's a dream come true. And I can talk for our company for Massive Unity, and I can talk probably for my brother in Tom Carlo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a milestone for us. Being both used to work with artists, but being a, a long term, I can tell you this this magazine. Mm-hmm. I've been with that magazine from the nineties. It was on my bedroom when I was a kid. And this is the guy. That's it's it. like, oh, it, it happened. It happened. If you work hard enough, uh, good things happen. Nothing is impossible. You never thought you'd be on a record with Brian May, right? You never thought that. And you never thought you'd be working with Blue Saraceno and some of these other artists. So that's the thing. Set, set your sights on something and never, never give up on it. Never give up. That's right. Because when you do, there's someone else that's going to be right there with the same dreams, and they're going to get it first. Yeah, the good dreams are, uh, yeah, all, the good dreams are, are very common. Everyone wants to get good life and some, some, yeah, happiness and good things coming. If you're prepared to catch that, the, the, the rainbow, go for it. That's right. No, that's very well said. And that's the thing, too. And, and where a lot of people drop off is they have the dreams but they think they think it's going to be easy for them and they get discouraged right away and they drop off. But that's also a good thing, you know, in some cases, because uh, I don't mean to discourage people for, you know, giving up on their dreams, but it does make room for the other people that are working for it and not giving up, not giving up on an invention. There's somebody, I'm sure you have colleagues that you've talked to, they, oh, I had an idea for a product one time and I gave up on it. And they might've told you what it was. And you're like, why didn't you follow through on it? Always follow through. It's like a golf swing, right? I don't, I don't, I sometimes, you know, uh, give people advice when I say, you know, go out and do something in life like a game of golf. You know, don't go out there and try to uh, get par your very first time, but you get a couple overs. Give yourself realistic goals, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, always follow through on no matter what it is that you do. Exactly. Yeah, and that that happened with Orange. If you had not, you know, spoke with them and thought, you know what, I'm too scared, you put the trust in their hands, you followed through, and look what it got you. 100%. Yeah. I'm really yeah, yeah, that's my life. Yeah, 
I'm really excited to learn more about Orange. Like, obviously, I've known I've known the brand. They're out there. They're, they've great marketing teams. They, there's actually a dealer. Actually, there is a dealer in my local area that carries some of the smaller stuff of Orange. I'm going to check it out. But I just have massive respect for them for the way they treated you. And I'm very happy to see a nice working relationship uh, between the two of you. So that that's awesome. We're almost at the end of the program. So I just want to say hi to a couple of people over in the chat that I didn't get a chance to say hi to. Uh, one of our regulars here, Quentin James, is here as well, too. Uh, Chad Boston is here as well. Dak Tar is here. Dak Tar made a funny statement, and this is totally me as well. When we're talking about taking things apart and b- putting them back, he says, I always had parts left over. I even have parts left over when I build something new. I'll go get a barbecue from the hardware store. Like, a, you know, here in Canada, we have a thing called Can- Canadian Tire or Walmart and things like that. We'll buy things there and you got to build them. And I'll be done and I'll have like an extra grill left over. And the wife will say, they don't come with extra grills. You missed you missed something somewhere, right? But that's that's like a lot of us, Dactar, so you're not alone. Uh, Terry's here as well, too. Jason Wade's taken off. And uh, Carlos is, loves hearing these stories. Uh, and we've got the uh, last link here to... Um, uh, and actually, it's a link to our show. So she's saying, uh, uh, share this on Facebook or Twitter, please, as well, too. And Robert Ortiz saying, that's very good. Probably commenting on your demo you're doing with the polyphonic uh, MIDI. Um, and Robert says, damn, you're a very a very talented, great work. Danny, you're a very talented, great work. Um, and the other interface uh, Danny made is great. And Nocturnal Butterfly has got the link to Orange Amps as well, too. And sorry, Rick Hefner, he's just jumping in and says, hey, guys, just tuned in. Let me catch up. This this uh, um, broadcast will be available to replay back probably in about 15 minutes after it's done. Um, but uh, I hope you had a good time. It's nice to finally have you here. And, and Danny, as you're new to the show, what we try to do, our model here on the show is just we like to be the warm-up band, per se, for the weekend. So we like to warm up everyone's weekend and send them off and have some fun. Um, so I, I hope you had a good time. I had a great time having you. I learned a lot. Uh, you were, I knew you were going to be very insightful and just the, you know, learning about the, you know, orange being one of the first companies making digital. And it's so funny too, you know, you said it was so expensive for them at the time to do it. And now you look at, you know, I don't want to say necessarily all digital, but most solid state amplifiers as we know them today are what we normally would gravitate to on a budget. But back then it was so expensive to make them. It's kind of funny how it's gone 360 or 180, I guess. 100 percent uh, i have said thank you for having me i've, I've been absolutely at home with you and your guys uh online asking things and, and it was quite interactive so thank you very much Eric. i'm absolutely yeah, glad and anytime i will try to get some more good stories for you i would love to have you back and we'll, we'll do it. and you're going to be doing obviously i, I shouldn't even have to ask this but uh, you're a, you're a nam champion you'll be at winter nam in anaheim yeah, for sure. Okay, good, because it looks like Junior and I are going to be there. So we'll look forward to meeting you, and we'll uh, grab a beer or grab a uh, coffee or whatever it may be, and we'll meet up and uh, maybe do some some demos with you as well, too. That'll be a lot of fun. I'll look forward to it. It sounds like a plan. Yeah, we we should take you and Junior to the Bubagan or something like very Anaheim thing. Okay. All right. We'll look forward to it. We'll, we'll be in touch beforehand. But what we'll do as well, too, is either just before NAM, getting closer towards that, or maybe just after NAM, I'll send out an invitation to you again and have you come back on the show. And you can uh, tell us about what's new, even just in your personal life, if you're doing stuff band-wise, or if it's uh, product invention-wise, and who knows what. That's. Uh, but I'll certainly have you back. I know fans will love to have you as well. Absolutely. Let me make it happen. 
Awesome. That's great. Uh, everyone's uh, giving some great uh, feedback in the uh, in the chat as well, too. Uh, Dak Tarsus, great show. Eric Bobby Clipper, have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, please, if you enjoyed this program, please give it a thumbs up. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. And follow the links in the description down below uh, for all of Danny's uh, links. There's there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's the YouTubes, all the good stuff. Find out more about what he's doing. And uh, Danny, don't go away. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, you have a fantastic weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Don't forget our merchandise link as well, too is in the chat broadstash.com everything from evh and gear tv helix hour kramer corner and our own brand as well all right everyone have a fantastic weekend we will see you very soon until next time cheers hey evh gear tv and eddie van halen fans if you were like me you find the time to read books difficult why not have it read to you grab one of three critically acclaimed van halen audiobooks like van halen rising by greg renoff running with the devil by noel monk or everybody wants some by ian christie available right now from audible sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today you can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book there are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.